Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I will give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Marsha McCurdy Adele. She is the Deputy Fire Marshal of West Hartford, and she was the first Black woman to graduate from the Connecticut Fire Academy. So she's kind of got a lot going for her, uh, even beyond all of that. So I'm excited to hear from her today. So thank you so much, Marsha. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, thank you for having me on. This is so exciting. Uh, and thank you for the introduction. I am a uh, the deputy fire marshal for a municipality. It is a town that's about 22 square miles. It's We've got... Um, uh, it's 22 square miles. It's just outside the city of Hartford, which is the capital of Connecticut. So what's great is that we are, we've got a lot going on here with, um, different kinds of structures, a huge highway going through. And I started off in the, as a firefighter, like I'm the deputy fire marshal now, but I started off as a firefighter and I did that for 20 years and loved it. It's so exciting um, being the deputy fire marshal isn't nearly, <laughs> I, I liken it to going from lingerie to burlap. <laughs> it's just not all as sexy as being a firefighter. Um, you know, our gear is different. Our, um, like our flashlights are different. It's like all this technical stuff, but, but honestly, I went from, um, I went from fighting fires to preventing them. And that, that was a really exciting pivot for me. I went from, um, the excitement of, uh, flames or a car wreck or someone having a heart attack to trying to strategize with people on how to make sure that they're compliant so that their exits are working, um, properly and that there's enough room for, uh, their patrons to pass in the aisles in a restaurant. And it, it sounds kind of boring when I say it all out loud, but, um, again, it's the strategy, right? It's it's being able to take all this information from codes and standards and then being able to say, and this is how we implement it. So I went from a little bit more brawn to more, a little bit more brain. And, um, and I love it. I still love it. So did you always know when you were younger that you wanted to be a firefighter or you wanted to be a fire marshal? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. It was the furthest thing away from, like, I actually um, had originally gone to school for sports medicine and exercise physiology, and I had gotten this great job uh, with a gym, and the gym happened to be located right next door to fire headquarters, and we had landed this awesome contract to train cops and firefighters uh, during the recruitment period. So these recruits would come in, and I'd get them leaner, meaner, bigger, better, faster, stronger. And, uh, working with the cops was fine, but working with the firefighters, it was just always such a great time. And, um, someone saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And it was really wonderful for somebody to point that out. And I, I, I fell in love with the job, not knowing really what it was, but the, enthusiasm and the excitement that the guys had for their job, um, and the motivation and like the encouragement that I'd gotten from, uh, other firefighters to pursue it. It, it 
was a, it, I'd say it was a no brainer, but uh, I was a little hesitant. But like I said, I fell in love with it along the way, along the way, like along the application process. And, um, I think that was, that's really what, that was my leap of faith. That was like my first major leap of faith in my life and, um, was totally worth it. Absolutely. Like totally worth it. But it's not anything that I would have dreamt up myself for sure. Right. So what was that application process like? So this was a long time ago. <laughs> like I was, uh, one of the guys came in and he says, fill this application out and make sure you bring it to town hall. And that was back in the day where you had a paper application and you had to type it out on a typewriter and it was in triplicate form. So you didn't want to make a mistake because you can correct it on a typewriter on the first page with some whiteout. <laughs> like these are all the things that like the complications of filling out an application back then. Um, so I filled out the application and I took it to town hall and they sent me a letter. They're like, we are in receipt of your application and we want you to come in and take a written exam. Like, really? <laughs> like, don't you weed us out first? Like <laughs> I didn't, so I didn't get disqualified on filling out my application, which is good. I showed up to the written exam and I thought there is no way I'm getting this job. It was actually at my old high school and it's a parking lot full of pickup trucks. And these pickup trucks, they've got antennas and bumper stickers and they just looked loud, <laughs> you know? And here I am on my little sedan and I'm driving up and I'm like, oh boy. Like, I didn't know if I, I, I doubt, I'm really surprised I found my car afterwards. Cause it was like wedged between these two monster trucks. Um, and then I walk in and it's about 500 people and I am the only dot on the page. I am the only black person that I could see like the whole room. And I think I was also the only woman. So I'm like, oh, clearly something I'm missing here. So I, um, I probably don't qualify. <laughs> and the exam was pretty straightforward and there was a lot of common sense stuff. There's a lot of logic. There's a lot of, um, memory questions, questions about ethics. Um, and I got a letter saying I passed and I did really well. And I was like, oh. Um, but by then I'd moved to Florida cause I figured I wasn't going to get the job. <laughs> so, um, I'd moved to Florida because I wanted to be near the beach and I was young and I had nothing better to do, but pick a place. And, um, and I did, and they, I gave them all my forwarding information and they kept in touch and they said, you passed the written exam. Now you got to come up and do a physical agility test. So we had, uh, this, there's this whole setup where you've got to be able to climb a ladder and um, put attach hose together um, because that's a skill. That's <laughs> actually a skill set. They test whether or not you can drag a mannequin and lift the mannequin and raise the ladder. And um, I'd always been an athlete. I'd always been a pretty high level athlete. So I knew I was going to nail it. And I did. I was like, oh my goodness. They wrote me a letter. And they said, you passed this part of the exam. And then it was the oral board. 
So for some people, they're wondering, like, what is an oral board? Because that's weird. It, like, it's not in common vernacular when we, when it comes to, like, processes and hiring. And it's really a panel interview with three people who are experts and the candidate for the job. So I walk in and there are these three guys sitting in front of me and I sit down. It's at town hall, which I don't, outside of dropping off my application, I don't think I'd ever been to before. And, um, and there we have it. I'm there trying to answer these questions. I had to call up the guys that I had, uh, that had encouraged me to (laughs) even, you know, uh, fill out the application for the job and everything. And, um, they coached me along. They're like, you know what? You got this. You know, these are, these are all logical questions. They're just some things you have to remember. You have to remember that you report to other people. Like you don't just run things on your own and you're, you're a team player. You've played team sports. So remember that being a firefighter is about being on a team, just a smaller team. And, um, and you have a boss. So this boss, you have to make sure you tell him everything. And it's, um, and they just, I read a couple of books. It was a two, it was almost a two year process, but I got the job. And when they called me, um, I said, hold on while I quit my job and dump my boyfriend. I'll be right there. <laughs> I'll be right there. Cause it, it really is just an amazing career. And, um, plus after all that effort, I really didn't want to say no, <laughs> but I'm back in my hometown and, um, and I love it. So then what has it been like being one of the only black women in a male dominated field? It's a unique situation, obviously, and it's not easy. It is not easy. Um, In the beginning, so to give it a little bit more context, there are people who, when I got on the job in 2000, there were men there from the 70s. So from before I was born, okay. So there were a number of people, a number of these guys that I was working alongside. That I was, we were risking our lives for each other. I mean that that really is a fact. Um, and they didn't want me there. They they said some of the the unthinkables, you know. Um, and I still had to show up to work, knowing that this is the way they thought about me. Um. But I realized that they may have art, they may articulate something like, well, you know, the only reason why you're here is because you checked two boxes. And I say, I took the same test that you did. You're one of the, took the same test. So I'm here on merit. And um, that's number one. And number two, regardless as to whether or not I've got the experience or I, you know, you're going to want to work with me because I'm going to be the best firefighter that I can be. And I tried my best every day to convince them of that. And that is a very heavy burden. <laughs> um, so instead, what I did was I just did the, I did my best job for myself and for my community and for my brothers and sisters on the job, not to try and convince someone that they should like me or that I, I've earned my place there. Um, I earned, the town of West Hartford decided that I earned my place there. Um, I didn't have to convince anybody else. So um yeah, that, that part was pretty tough at first, but then there are other people who were just like, can you do the job? <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty prohibitive for women. Um, or people think that it's prohibitive for women because of the, the strength factor. And,
And once they realized that I wasn't, I wasn't telling them to do my job and that I had a, a sincere curiosity about how to do my job better. And I was holding my own in terms of literally holding my own stuff. <laughs> um, cause everything is heavy in the fire department. They're like, you know, she, she, she's not all that bad. And then, um, you know, and that's where camaraderie really begins. And so it, it really wasn't like what you see on TV in the beginning. I can, I can, I can assure you of that, <laughs> but that's where it can end up. Certainly can. Did you ever have any moments where you were like, I just can't do this, or I just want to throw the towel in? You know, I think it, those moments, as few as they are, came more around loss than my relationships with the guys on the job. Um, because it's really hard to lose children or, um, when you see huge devastation, we were at a fire where 14 people died. Um, it's like, it's, can you take the emotional toll that this plays? Um, you know, a a couple of Advil and a good night's sleep and I can recover (laughs) at least back then. (laughs) Um, but really the emotional toll gets really hard when you see loss after loss. Um, there was a time when my grandmother was really sick and I was stationed in a part of town that had a lot of, um, elderly housing. Um, it had a lot of, uh, nursing homes and, and assisted living facilities. And every time we went to a call, I saw my grandmother's face in every one of them and they're dying. And it's like so hard. Um, but at the end of the day, you go back to the firehouse after that call and you're with, you're with the guys that, that are your family, that become your family. And um, that's what makes it easier. So when you, when you come out of the call, you're thinking, oh man, this is so hard. I can't take another one of those calls. Um, but you end up saying, all right, what's next? Bring it. I got this. And what was your firehouse like? Was it all men? Yeah, rare was the occasion where I was ever stationed. Like, all, like so, so again, context. I am in um, a department that is all career, and we have five firehouses. The women, the five of us, <laughs> were all stationed at different firehouses. <laughs> So I guess we couldn't gang up on any of the guys, right? Um, so there wasn't really, unless it was a matter of, excuse me, swapping a shift or working in overtime where I'm in a different firehouse that I ever saw other women generally. And um, and the occasions where that happened were, you know, number one, that was very few and far between. And as was being stationed in the same firehouse. So every day, like you were assigned a firehouse where you keep all of your belongings and then you get an overtime shift. So you have to go to a different firehouse. And um, so rare was the occasion where I was stationed for very long with another woman in the same firehouse, much less at the same, and never at the same time. I was never partnered with another woman. And so then when did you start to consider becoming a deputy fire marshal? Hmm. You know, I, I realized that's a good question. (laughs) Um, When I was pregnant, um, I've got twin girls. They're awesome. Uh, When I was pregnant, I was assigned to the fire marshal's office and I white knuckled that assignment 
every single day. <laughs> it was so difficult. I'd never worked in an office before. I'd never worked nine to five Monday through Friday. That's a horrible schedule. <laughs> um, and But doing the work of the fire marshal's office was really kind of cool. Um, I was writing grants and I actually received them. We were awarded grants. Um, I was working with the public on a more regular basis. So it just felt really good in creating programs for the community. It was a different way of interacting in my community as a member of the fire department. And, um, but I couldn't wait to get out of there. I mean, I couldn't wait to have these kids, <laughs> but um, I couldn't wait to get out of there um, because I missed the culture that had that that was so familiar to me and so comfortable for me where we have long shifts, but we have tons of time off and, you know, we all cook together and we eat together and, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, like a campy kind of culture, you know, where you got uh, bad jokes all the time. Everybody's, you know, ah, (laughs) can be a riot sometimes. Um, and then I get into like a more stuffy situation where you've got, um, you're working with administration, you're working with chiefs, and you're just like, oh, guys, lighten up here, huh? Um, you don't do what we do. You need to lighten up. <laughs> um, but it gave me an idea of what it would be like to take a departure from what was my norm into something completely different, but contributing to a, a, the fire service nonetheless. It's a whole other set of skill set. It's a whole other educational experience. So that was somewhere in the back of my head. But when the when I seriously considered it was when I realized there was actually an opportunity for it to happen. You know, I wasn't pining over, oh, can't wait to get back there. But when the opportunity arose, there were a couple of guys who retired around the same time. And so they had a they, they had a vacancy in the in the uh, fire marshal's office. And I thought, I want that. Like, I want that next phase of my career. Like I've already got 20 years on the line as a firefighter. Like, I love that. Um, But I can say goodbye to that knowing a little bit, having a little bit of a taste of what it would be like. Um, I was completely wrong. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, as I became a fire inspector, and then the deputy fire marshal. And I had no idea. I like the assignments that they gave me while I was pregnant. <laughs> that that was to keep me busy. The education and the exercise of all your knowledge in fire prevention was a completely different field. And um, and I I loved that I was able to learn something brand spanking new and become good at it. I was I loved that I could um, there was more figuring it out. There was more working with, working more intimately with people, not just we're here to save the day. Okay. We're gone. We did, we saved the day and now we're gone. Now it's like creating stronger relationships, uh, longer lasting relationships with people, which makes a huge difference. And so did you go back to being on the front lines as a firefighter after having your girls? I did. I did. And I, and I loved it. I still loved it. It was, it was really tough, but I still loved it. Um, and I, it had been, I think three years that I went back on the line and then came out to, um, to the fire marshal's office. 
And during that time, like I, it, it's not like I was pining to get out of there. I just realized when the opportunity rose in the fire marshal's office, like I should do that. That was, that was actually pretty good. And it lengthens my whole career, right? Cause you don't do this firefighting thing when you're old. <laughs> Whereas I feel like, um, because it's a lot more, it's, it's easier on your body altogether. Um, it's still very taxing, but, um, it's not as much heavy lifting. So, um, yeah, I was like, I, I want to do this cause I still want to stay in the fire department. I I'm in a career department, which allows me to retire after 20 years. So at 20 years I was looking at, okay, well, I've got plenty of options after this, but really the option I'd like to exercise is still being in the fire service. So. And so what is it like now being the deputy fire marshal? I consider it to be a huge responsibility, a, a good one. And like in a really good way, um, I feel like there's a whole different sense of pride. I've always, there's not a firefighter I know who isn't proud to be a firefighter. Um, I mean, it's the best job description in the world, right? Save lives. <laughs> he doesn't get any better than that. Um, so the new job description, two words, prevent fires, right? Um, it's just a, it's just another, it's a different sense of pride. Um, and now I'm responsible for keeping people safe. I am responsible for making sure that people can exit properly um, in case of an emergency. So that means the exit lights have to be illuminated and the emergency lights have to be functional and the doors have to work when you push them open. And the aisle has to be clear, like the, the way for you to get out of the building has to be clear so that if something happens, you can get out. Um, it's the simple things like that, that people really do take for granted. Like, Oh, look, this, look at how wide this is. This is really comfortable. The next time you go into a space and you feel like you're a little crowded in there because the aisles are too close, ask your local fire marshal. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I really, I really do love it. Um, but I do, I do know that it comes with a huge sense of responsibility. Right now, do you kind of bring that same mindset of, you know, safety, needing to be able to exit clearly into your own home. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, but I also have a lot of tools, right? So, so even though um, I've got a, I love to cook and we've got sous vide. And after you sous vide something, you have to create this char. And so I got a torch and like, I'm torching <laughs> this big fat, you know, roast, and, um, the smoke alarm will go off, but then I've got like a burst of air thing that'll clear it, but my kids sleep with their doors closed. Um, we, the girls have practiced opening up our, I live in a hundred year old house. So with an original door, so they have to practice opening and opening the, the door to get out in case the other door doesn't work. Um, you know, so we, we actually, we practice what we preach here in this house. We walk the walk. <laughs> As would be expected, what sort of advice would you give the general public for fire prevention? Oh, where do we begin? <laughs> candles. 
don't don't leave your candles unattended. That's so crazy. You know, Yankee Candle single-handedly, I think, really gave <laughs> really gave municipalities lots and lots of evidence that we need more firefighters. <laughs> um and I would say that make sure you have smoke alarms. Check to make sure that they're working. And what's cool is that remember how we used to do this thing. Um, you might remember it. It's every time you change the clocks, you change the batteries. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Go out, go get yourself a 10 year internal battery for, um, it's a 10 year, sorry, it's, it's a, a smoke alarm that has a 10 year battery in it. It's sealed. You know, it's set it and forget it, right? It's super easy. Put it up there. It'll let you know when it's going to die. You get another one. Hopefully that'll be in 10 years. Um, people forget people let their smoke alarms get old. They're people who move in and out of like, they've had the house for 30 years. They sold the house. The original smoke alarms are in the house and the new people haven't, you know, just make sure those are some simple things. And I'll tell you why smoke alarms are really important early, early, early detection. So if, if I am alerted early that there is smoke where it shouldn't be, then I can tend to where that smoke is coming from before it gets into a fire status. So just do that. It's so much easier in, in, in terms of loss. Um, you know, during the t- pandemic, any landscaper will tell you that the biggest thing, can you guess? You want to guess? You don't have to guess. Uh, fire pits. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> fire pit. Everybody wanted a fire pit because then they can have friends over. They can have friends over. Everybody gathers by the fire pit, but people forget that embers fly. People forget that um, sometimes fires get out of control. People forget that, no, you aren't supposed to use lighter fluid and burn things that are not supposed to be burned. Um, or that you want to just be a good neighbor and don't do your fire pit up on like the windiest day where the smoke is now blowing into your neighbor's window and that neighbor has asthma, <laughs> you know? So I would say be courteous with your fire pit, um, and be smart about it. Make sure that it, you have, um, you've got some water nearby. It could be a hose. It could be a bucket of water. Just make sure you've got some water nearby. So I think those are, you know, off the top of my head, I I'm always concerned about smoke alarms and, um, just generally how much fire, how many, uh, fire pits have popped up. I think people need to be fire pit safe. Right. And how old are your girls? Seven. No. Yeah. Yeah. They just turned seven. Sorry. <laughs> they just had a birthday last month. So. So are you like the cool mom then? That's that's debatable. Um, <laughs> I think I think everybody else thinks I'm the cool mom. Um, I go in and I read to the kids and uh, in their classrooms. And um, because I've gotten a little bit of press around this, uh, their friends have their friends' parents have sent along like a clipping, like a news clip or something like that from the paper. Um, and believe it or not, I actually filmed with my kids our safety videos for the school. So, (laughs) so, um, a lot of the kids know my girls and they know me because 
we filmed Stop, Drop, and Roll during the pandemic in a firehouse, and I didn't have a regular audience of kids, so I had to say, all right, (laughs) what's the number you dial in case of an emergency? I'd have to tell them, say it really loud. Um, so I, I, I hope I'm, I hope I will be a cool mom. That's, that's my aspirations. Of course. And so what has it been like then having some press around your new title? Um, I hope that I'm an inspiration. I hope that people realize that you don't, you can just follow what you really want to do, pursue it, and don't let other people's stereotypes get in the way of whether or not you should pursue it. Like, just do it. You know, it's an old Nike slogan, but, um, you know, I had never, I, I tell people, well, do you know who the first black woman firefighter I ever met was? It was me. <laughs> it was me. Um, and, I didn't think I, I knew that there were people who didn't want me to be there, but you know what? I, I wanted to be there and I earned a spot there and I did my job and am doing my job really well. So I'm hoping that people see that, Hey, it's okay. If you're the first or the only, you can still have a great career. You can have a successful career. Um, you can have a very rewarding career and it doesn't really matter if somebody else is doing it who looks just like you. So the press I'm hoping is, it's not really about me. It's about more about sending a message that um, really anything is possible, regardless as to, you know, any kind of demographic, any box you can check that the boxes that you check, those are irrelevant. Those, those are really, or that's, that's not true. The boxes that you check are not irrelevant. The boxes that you check shouldn't be prohibitive for you pursuing what you really want to do. And I, th- I think that eventually, you know what, I think the guys really appreciated that I wasn't trying to be one of the guys, you know, I was just me. <laughs> um, and so, you know, as our relationships developed, I was the one that they would come to, well, what do you think I should do? Like, what's a good restaurant to take my wife out to, uh, for our anniversary? And, um, and you know, we would, we would swap stories, you know, about, you know, like relationships and like personal stuff. And, and I was just, you know, the girl in the room that got to see a lot behind the curtain, (laughs) the guy curtain, but, um, yeah. So that was, that was, those things, they do matter, you know, and, um, me being a black woman, I think, um, was a very different experience for all of them, but it was, and it wasn't so much of an ex- a different experience for me to be around <laughs> these guys. So um, the press, I hope, really pushes the idea of the pursuit, the pursuit of happiness, like go out there regardless. And have you since met another Black female firefighter? Yes, <laughs> I belong to a sisterhood. <laughs> Um, number one, there's an organization called the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters, and they have been very instrumental in offering tons of support. Um, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, that extra camaraderie it's, um, and it's also education and, um, and then, you know, because I'm in, I'm right, I'm in the suburbs, but I'm right next to the big city. 
uh, there, there are more opportunities for, number one, there are more vacancies. They have larger fire departments, which means they, they can draw from a greater pool. So I met um, other Black firewomen and firefighters and Black women who are firefighters in our neighboring city of Hartford and Bridgeport and New Haven, but it's really more the bigger cities, not so much in the suburbs. Right. So going back, all the way back to the fire academy, what was that experience like in the beginning? It was scary. It was like full transparency. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, the guys would do, um, the guys who I was working with previously who introduced me to the fire service. Um, I would say, I don't, I don't know anything about what I'm do it. Like I would know nothing about fighting fires. And they're like, that's perfect. They're going to teach you at the fire Academy. So I went in growing up in the suburbs, um, black woman, sedan gap, J crew <laughs> and going into, um, the fire Academy and, um, yeah, I had no clue. I had no clue. I had no idea what I was getting into. I, um, I had never started a tool before, like a power tool before. Um, so I had to come up with, okay, stop down or stop. And like, I had to come up with these stories that I would have to tell myself so that I knew the order in which to start a power tool. Um, and I'm absolutely certain that people looked at me with the hairiest eyeball. Um, but I stayed up all night reading every book and it was before like YouTube and all that. So it's not like you can just go to YouTube. How do you start this? It was really going to the library. <laughs> it was, and, and getting books and asking people, how do I do this? Going to the firehouse and saying, how do I do this? Show me. I know it's my off day, but I need you to show me. And um, not wanting to look crazy um, and really wanting to do well. And what I had in my favor was that I was a, a, an athlete, so I could hang with them in the gym. And like, when it came to doing, doing stairs in this five-story tower cake, but then when it came down to the technical stuff, I, I, I really, I really had to fake it till I make it. <laughs> and, um, and it was tough and, you know, uh, yeah, there were times where it was really, there, it would have been easy to throw in the towel, but I really wanted it more than not. So, um, uh, there was a, an instructor that one day asked me, uh, I, how are you doing? And I said, sir, I'm fine, sir. And he said, can you just chill out a little bit? I'm, I'm just doing a little welfare check here. Are you doing okay? And you know, I, there are stories I will never tell and that's okay. Um, but at the end of the day, the story to be told is that I've got a great career, 20, something years later to speak on. So um, I would say that the good part is that I don't think that anyone was particularly malicious. I just think that I was low hanging fruit as a target. <laughs> so, um, but I, I learned a lot from that and I think it toughened me up for me to get to the fire department where I am and have been. Um, so it was, it was, there were, there were a lot of times where I would have rather sat by myself than in front of these guys. <laughs> um, but again, I don't, I don't think any of, the, any of them were particularly malicious. They were just bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then obviously 
you figured out the tools, you figured out the procedures to then have been actively as a firefighter for 20 years. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't happen all at once. And so that learning process, um, meant that I was asking more of other people and not to, for them to do it for me, but so that I can learn it. So the older guys who'd been there a long time, they're like, we got to train again because she doesn't know. (laughs) Um, no, we have to train because that actually in the says here book indicates we should be training every day. (laughs) Um, and believe me, I wasn't excited about it either because you know, it's great when there's some downtime around the firehouse. Right. Um, but I did have some people who really did look out for me. They're like, no, 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 no. You're not doing it that way. You're doing it this way. You know? And they were like, um, Yep. Come over here. You need to figure this out. You're not done. And, um, I had a captain tell me, I mean, just some of the firehouse stuff, like we had to, it's a house, so it has to be kept clean. And the day came where we had to clean out the basement and I, the the captain says, go on down there and, and sweep out the basement. So I swept it out. He came down there to check on a basement swept. And he says, why does it look like you swept with a rake? I had never been more insulted. (laughs) It's like, like I just spent all this time, you know? Um, So, you know, it's, it's little things like that, but uh, you, you do figure it out. And then, you know what, when the bell hits, the guy that you're, the guys that you're working with depend on you, they depended on me. And I can say that um, everyone has accidents or, um, you know, you should have gone, you should have gone left when you should have gone right. You should have gone, you went left when you should have gone right. But at the end of the day, like we all work together and nobody really wants anyone else to fail because if one person fails, we all fail. Whereas the opposite is true as well. If one succeeds, we all do. You know, when we have that save, when we put that fire out, no one person is doing it. We're all contributing. So, um, there came a shift in the staffing personnel, the firefighters, where the old guys were retiring and new guys were coming in and you realize that the temperature in the room changes a little bit and, you know, kind of put your shoulders back a little bit and get a little bit more excited about um, feeling more welcomed because as much as I've got all this intestinal fortitude, (laughs) um, uh, it's just nice when it's just more comfortable. You know, when, when you, when you look around and people are like, oh yeah, she doesn't know how to do her job. Like, oh yeah, she doesn't know how to cut a hole in a roof or cut a cart in half or, you know, break down the door or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, pump on somebody's chest and save a life. Like, yeah, I've done that. I've done that. Then you had all this retraining and relearning to take the new position with all the codes is this, yes. Would this be like the final step in your career in the fire department or is there even more yet to come? Oh, I think the trajectory is pretty, it's looking pretty good. <laughs> I love my job where I am now. And I think I've got a good amount of um, experiences yet to be had in this position. So I'm really excited about what the future brings. Um, but you know, I still have a lot of, I got some more years in me still. So, you know, I'm at a deputy fire marshal position right now, perhaps a fire marshal's position. Um, 
you know, might have my name on it somewhere down the line. Um, also emergency management. I really, um, the idea of us being more prepared and, um, learning how to, getting all the information so that when disaster strikes, we are ready for it. And um, that has a lot to do with, you may have heard of FEMA. (laughs) So maybe working with FEMA, working with um, colleges and universities, uh, local municipal, you know, our, our municipalities, we do have an emergency management division, much like there are firefighters, there's that division, which is called suppression um, or operations. And then there's the, the division of the fire marshal. Um, and there's also emergency management division. So ultimately I think there's a lot of opportunity for me. Um, I'm getting a master's in public administration. And uh, so education abounds, <laughs> it just, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop, but neither do the opportunities. So, Of course not. Now, you mentioned that when you were pregnant and working in the fire marshal's office, you had a boring nine to five. Do you, are you back into the nine to five grind or like, what is the scheduling been like? So good question. So yeah, I, I work Monday through Friday and, um, it's a part of my job that I hope my union negotiates because <laughs> I don't want to work Monday through Friday. Um, but you know, that's, that's when we really do well with the public, you know? So, um, I work seven to four Monday through Friday, but I've got my weekends off. I tuck my girls in bed every night and I think it's a, an incredible privilege to be able to do that. And, um, and I am also on call. So there are, you know, assigned, uh, weeks, days, times where I'm on call. And if there's a fire in the middle of the night, it needs to be investigated. Guess who shows up? Yours truly. Um, so it's really, yeah, nine of like that whole Monday through Friday thing. That's, that's, I, I don't know how, how do I, I remember being in the office when I was pregnant, wondering when do you go to the grocery store? Like when everybody else does, that's crazy. <laughs> Cause you know, I could go to the grocery store at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Or two o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody's there. It's great. Um, I, I hope that I get a better schedule one day. <laughs> and is there a shortage in firefighters or people working in the fire department? So the fire department is really evolving. It's growing from being firefighters to firefighter paramedics. So if there's an opportunity for anyone who has an interest to be in the fire service to get their paramedics license or even an EMT license, then that would, that opens up a lot more doors. Um, But because there's an extra component in there that eliminates a number of people who just have an interest in fighting fires. And um, you know, it's a matter of, it's a matter of job security. You know, we're not that there are less fires. It's just that we are so efficient in them in fighting them that, um, we've got a, like, what else can you do? <laughs> you know? Um, you, you guys weren't gone for that long. You guys aren't really busy, are you? Well, you know what? We're, we're busy. It's just that we're efficient in how we do our work. So, um, taking on, and we are everywhere, right? So, you take a look around and you might see one ambulance, but you'll see five fire trucks. Mm -hmm. You might see two cop cars, but you'll see five fire trucks. 
And, um, and it's because we have the ability to really make it to anywhere pretty darn quick because of how we're located throughout most jurisdictions. So, um, so getting your paramedics, uh, license, your paramedic license is certainly would help in terms of filling some of the, the, uh, the gaps that the fire service has, um, with vacancies. So, um, fire, there are fire departments hiring like all over the place. So if you really want to do it, you can, um, so just be prepared for what they're looking for. That's it. Right. Now, before I start to wrap things up, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? I have a number of people I'd like to thank, but, but really I'll focus on two outside of my parents and my kids. Um, and that's, uh, Steve Harris. Steve Harris is this retired captain of the Hartford Fire Department. He used to come to the gym at 5.30, even though it opened at 5.45. He's that guy. Um, but he's the one that really looked me in the face and said, Mosh, you need to be a firefighter, Mosh. And I was like, what? He's like, you need to be a role model, Mosh. And he's an old Vietnam vet. And, you know, um, you just took what he said really seriously. Like you, you really had to think about like everything he said. Cause it's so like you hung on every word. Um, so I'd like to thank him because he's a real, he's the one that first planted that seed. And I think he talked to every other firefighter to tell them to talk to me <laughs> about it. And it paid off. It really, really did. So I'd like to thank Steve Harris. And then I'd also like to thank, um, retired chief Mike Sensigali. He's the one who, when I was in the fire marshal's office, He's the one who says, Hey, you know, kid, you got a real knack for this. <laughs> and, and, uh, really built my confidence around being able to explore a new part of the fire department, um, a new part of the fire service. It was new for me anyway. And, um, he's the one who really encouraged me to pursue, um, the promotional opportunities that lied ahead. So, uh, I'd have to say, and, and then on top of it, he didn't even just tell me, Hey, you should, you should try this out. He also says, you know, you can do it. You're going to do really well at it. And these are ways that I can help you. So, um, you know, nobody in this world can do anything successfully on their own. And that would be me too. Those are the two I'd like to thank. Right. I really appreciate that. Now at the end of every episode with all of my guests, I do ask a random question not to do with anything we've talked about. Okay. We are currently in the season of basketball. Do you follow the NCAA tournaments? And while this episode will come out uh, after more games have happened, do you have someone you would love to win, even if they've already lost? (laughs) UConn, UConn, UConn. (laughs) Uh, Connecticut basketball is fierce. And, uh, I am really happy that it is. And um, UConn men are already out of it, but UConn women are still, they're they're forging on. And um, I got them going all the way. All right, that brings this episode to a close. I'll be leaving a link to the association that Marsha mentioned, so the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters. That link will be in the description if you would like to check that out. 
And of course, if you would like to connect with the podcast, our website is in the description as well. That brings you to all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And my email address is in the description as well. If you would like to connect with me or be a guest on the podcast, feel free to send me an email. And there is also a link if you would like to support the podcast monetarily. So thank you so much, Marsha, for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time. Bye. Be safe, everyone. Be safe.